The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Well, to some of you that are new today, today is um, Hawaiian Sunday. That's why, no, it's not really. I just, you're like, does he really wear, yeah. So we're baptizing here in a little bit. Um, that's why. But uh, if you got a Bible with you, I got a message I'm, I'm talking about today out of Romans chapter 8. So if you got a Bible with you, go ahead and, um, and, and grab that, open it up. you got a smartphone with a Bible app. That's cool, too. Um, it's easy to view life as a, a pattern of continual waiting. And, um, you know, one of the, it's, it's like, and I don't mean waiting like in traffic, although we're used to that, or, you know, waiting in grocery lines or waiting to pump gas. Anybody, anybody go to Safeway and get their gas? Anyone? Yeah, raise your hand. Okay, you go to Safeway, and there's that line before you get to the pump. And anybody in, I've been in that line plenty of times, and a couple of years ago now, I was in that line, and it was about four deep, and I'm the guy in the back looking at the lines going, there's a couple of them open. Why is nobody moving? And it, what it is is there's like two lanes of, of car, you know, two deep or whatever, and so people are waiting, I think, to pull in rather than like drive around and back up. But anyway, so I'm, I'm back there like, is anyone moving? Like I kind of flash in my lights like, hey, there's some open over there, you know? Um, I kind of give them a little beep beep. And so I'm just thinking, because literally it didn't move at all, and finally I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go grab a, a gas pump. And I, so I pull around and, and, and back in, and I'm pumping gas, and this guy comes like steaming into the, this station next to mine, and he looks over at me as he gets out of his car, and he goes, the deepest recesses of hell are reserved for people like you. And, um, and that's just one of those moments where you're like, God bless you, sir. Um, <laughs> But I get it. I mean, I get that. Like, dude, you cut everyone off. It's like, well, no one took the spots over. I don't understand why no one's moving. Anyway, so if, if that was you, by the way, God bless you. And now I just wait in line patiently, apparently like everyone else is supposed to, even though there's pumps that are wide open. So that's whatever. Um, but when I'm talking about waiting and anticipating, it, it's, you know, it's like when kids are anticipating becoming teenagers or you can become a teenager and you're anticipating, you know, uh, getting your driver's license or graduating high school. You, you get post high school and you're anticipating getting through college or getting career or, you know, finding that significant other and getting married, moving out from your parents. And, and then you get to a point where you're anticipating, maybe we'll be able to buy a house and pay off a car maybe, or finally take a vacation that requires an airplane or whatever that is. Um, and so it's anticipating. The, the thing, though, is we get to where we wanted to get, and often there's the next thing. There's something more. And I think most of us are familiar with this pattern. I think it's kind of innate in all of us. Once we're married, we anticipate kids. Once we have little kids, we want them to grow up so they sleep through the night. Once they sleep through the night, we're excited to get them into school, and, and you get some free time or whatever, and then you're excited just to get them out of the house. And no one wants to admit that, but there I said it. Okay, let's keep going. You know, maybe you own the house and now you want the, the great landscape yard, whatever. Or maybe you want the big shed or a new addition or the next house, the bigger house or, or whatever. And those things are fine in their context. But you must know that the appetite for the next thing doesn't end. There's a sense in all of us that for when you were younger, you thought, man, I'll just arrive once I get to this point in life. And yet you get to whatever point that is in life. And there's something in us that goes, what's next? I want something else. I want something more. I want something different. And it's just something that goes on in all of us. Even when you reach some sort of pinnacle, there's always the next thing. Whether you're a famous, a rich, a, you know, you, the boss of, the CEO, you've written this, you have this sort of power over people, whatever it is you fill in the blank, we all struggle with the same problem. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we think to ourselves when we get to those places, is this all there is? Is that it? 
And, and I want to I want to make sure as, as you follow this, I celebrate. I'm all about, hey, great job with the promotion. Hey, great job graduating from college. Hey, great job on your wedding. So glad you're married. I celebrate those things. Those aren't bad things in themselves. But but don't think for a moment that that's what defines you. And that's what tends to happen. We look at our lives, and if we've succeeded in the ways that we think success should be labeled, then we're sort of okay, and, 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 and that's a great spot. But we cannot find our identity in those things because how many of us are aware in here those things really are fleeting? Those things really are temporary. And if that's where our identity is found, something has gone wrong. Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. As we ended the year 2017 in the Bible reading plan, we were finishing the book of Job. Job is, is the character who has everything until he all of a sudden doesn't have anything. And it's amazing that, that things can fly away just as quickly as they land in our lap. Is anybody with me in this conversation? If the measure of our life is in our accomplishments, what happens when we can't accomplish anymore? We can't be defined by what we've done, and I guarantee we get to a point where we think to ourselves, is that it? Is that all there is? And the answer, for those who understand faith in Christ, the answer for those who, who gather in, in places like this and listen to what we have to say and, and those that, that read the scriptures and begin to comprehend what the work of the Spirit is doing in our lives, the answer is absolutely no. That is not all there is. Anything that we're able to acquire, any bigger, any better, any whatever level of success is not our identity. For the follower of Christ, our identity needs to be anchored to Jesus. Which means, and I remember years ago, I had a card that said, who am I on it? And it had about 30 things. It says, you know, I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I am established by God. I am part of the family of God. All these different truths as you go down this whole card that reminded me that my identity is not in things. My identity is not in my own successes. It's in Christ. And we must be defined by whose we are. Our life is in Christ. We are a new creation. We are children of God. And the beauty of it is nothing can take that away. Romans chapter 7 brings this conversation right up front for all of us. Paul says to the church at Rome as he's trying to disciple them from a distance and writing a letter in chapter 7, it says, why is it that I do what I don't want to do? Is anybody with me on that conversation? And then he goes on to say, but what I hate I do. And we're all like, yes, exactly. I do things I don't want to do. And those things I say that I hate, I find myself doing. What is wrong? And Paul's answer at the end of chapter 7 in Romans is this. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to understand two things about Paul's solution to that problem. When he brings up that the answer there is Jesus, he's ultimately saying that our victory, our ability to pull off Christ-like living is found in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the Spirit of Christ that lives inside of us that gives us the ability to do the right things. And when we find ourselves not doing the right things, 
We find the grace to repent of what we've done wrong and jump back up and dust ourselves off and go, thank you, God, for the grace you've provided. Forgive me for the ways that I've messed up. I want to walk with you. And the Bible reminds us that he forgives us. Which is why when you get to Romans 8 verse 1, it says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So Paul says if sin is an issue and, you're find, and you find yourself stumbling, know that God's grace is enough to forgive you. And if you find yourself wanting to do the right things, the spirit of Christ fills and, and guides us into doing those things that are right. There's no condemnation. You're not removed from Jesus. As I told somebody a couple of days ago in a meeting, Jesus doesn't sit there with a pencil and write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life and then flip it over with an eraser every time you mess up. And he writes it in again later because you repent, and he erases it because you messed up, and then he writes it again because you repent, and he flips it over and erases it. That's not the way it works. And that's the case that Paul is building in the middle of Romans. And then he goes on to say this, and I'm going to fast forward towards the end of Romans, starting at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He quotes a psalm, and then he comes back to, no, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in a world that says, climb the ladder, get the bigger, do the thing, have the power, increase your portfolio, become famous, fine, chase after some level of success, but know at the end of the day that if that's where you're trying to find your identity and your life, you're missing it by a million miles. We find life and our identity in Jesus Christ and nothing can take that away. So I want to remind you today... When you think about life, that life is in Christ, and when we celebrate in a moment and a bunch of people are going to get up and they're going to line up over here and they're going to get baptized and, and, and come up out of the water and we're going to celebrate because it's like a party in heaven, one person taking a step of obedience like that, repenting and following Jesus. We're going to celebrate that because that's where life is found. That's what's fun about all that God is doing at the Grove Church in my office there's a phrase right underneath, or right at the top of a door on my wall. And it says this. It says, what life are you waiting for? And it's a reminder to me as I sit at my desk and look across the, 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 the way that I don't want to be the kind of person, as my youth pastor used to say, that's a shoulda, coulda, woulda story. The kind of person, I, well, I should have done that. Well, I would have, but I, you know, I, I could have. But, and we, we live our lives with, with all these great big butts. Yeah, I said that. Okay. But, but it's that thing where I'm not waiting, that my life is in Christ, and I want to be passionate about finding my identity there. 
that's why we celebrate baptism, because our identity is in Christ. Paul says that baptism is symbolically laying our lives down before Christ in the watery grave of baptism and coming up symbolically new in Jesus Christ. We believe that's worth celebrating. And Paul says, and Peter said it at the, in one of the longest sermons that you read in Scripture, in, in, in the book of Acts chapter 2, he preaches, and they said, what shall we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. And so those that are going to line up here in a moment are those that have repented. What does that mean? It means to turn away from the way you used to go, the direction you used to take, your ability to live your own way and surrender to Jesus. See, this whole picture and and the reason that a a bunch of people would gather on Sundays in different times through life groups and things like that would gather is, is to build ourselves up in our faith, realizing that we can't create a, a new beginning and, and be forgiven of all of our mistakes, all of our sins, simply by earning it, simply by being good enough. It doesn't work that way. There's, there's not a pile of sins so big as good news that, that you're removed from Jesus. There, there's, not, there's not this ability either on the other side for you to earn your way because you got a pile of good things you've done. The message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ paid the price for all of us to be forgiven of all of our sins simply by believing on what he's done for us. That's the message, that he died on a cross. That's why certain people, you see they got jewelry and there's a cross hanging from their neck or maybe at the top of a building at church is a cross or you go in someone's home and on the door as you walk in or on the wall inside their living room or whatever, there might be a cross somewhere. It's a reminder that we anchor ourselves to the work of Jesus, that, that, that it matters to us, that the cross And the price that was paid for all of the sins of all mankind, it happened in that moment through Jesus Christ, that we can't earn it. And maybe you're in here today and you're one of those that you haven't surrendered. Maybe you're in here today and I'm just kind of checking things out. I was invited by a family member to do the baptism thing and celebrate with them. And that's great. I'm glad you're here. But I don't want you to forget that the message is for you too. It's for every person that would hear it. That there's a response required from every one of us that Jesus paid for all of your sins and you can have a fresh start today. You can have a new beginning today. You can have a clean slate today and it's not by earning it, but it's by believing on what God did through the cross of Jesus. And if you're in here today and you haven't taken that step, I want to bring that challenge right to your front door right now. Today is the day to surrender. There's no reason to wait for tomorrow. There's no reason to think, well, down the road somewhere. And I get some go, well, I don't know if I know enough. I just told you the basics of what you need to know. It's the basic message that Peter shared with a whole bunch of people in the book of Acts. And thousands of them go, okay, great, I get it. I'm done. I'm surrendering. The same question is posed to you. Will you surrender? Will you find a life in Christ? Or will you chase after what's next? What's better? What's bigger? What what can I own? What can I be? What's my identity? Who am I married to? What is it for you? And do you want your life to be in Christ? Maybe you're in here today and you've made that commitment before and you've done that. And you, I, I remember years ago at a camp or a little while back or whatever, but you've kind of done your thing and you don't know where you're at. That's okay. I don't, I don't know if forgiven or this Jesus. I don't know. But I want you to be able to walk out of here confident that you're in Christ. And the way to do that is to surrender. And if you've never done that, you, I don't, I've never surrendered my life. Maybe you've been part of the Grove I've been coming for a while, but I've, I've never really surrendered. I never raised my hand and said, forgive me, Lord. I've never done that. And you need to. I would challenge any one of you right now with every head up, with every eye open, 
If you're in here today and you hear what I'm saying, I want to create that tension in you that you need to surrender to Christ. And if that's you and you say you want new life in Christ, you say you want a a fresh start, you want a new beginning, you want to be forgiven of of your sins, if that's you in this room, I would simply ask you, would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Where are you at? I'm going to raise your hand and give your life to Jesus Christ. One. Anyone else? Anybody else want to raise your hand and say yes to faith in Christ? Have that fresh start. Okay, if you do me a favor, let's bow our heads. And if you raise your hand, I just saw one hand. Maybe there was others. But if you raise your hand, would you just pray with us? Just say, Jesus. When everybody can pray, just say, Jesus, thank you for all that you've done. That you paid the price so I could be forgiven. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Savior from all of my mistakes. Be my Lord, the one that I follow each day as I learn on this journey. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.